Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. I was watching blogger Tim Urban's TED Talk about procrastination with my kids this morning, and we all laughed at the part where he described the panic monster, because I think we've all experienced the elevated level of stress and anxiety that kicks in as a deadline approaches. I don't know what it is, but there's something that happens, maybe no matter how well prepared we are, where about a week or two out from a performance audition, there's an increase in those nagging, repetitive, negative thoughts as the impending moment of truth draws nearer, like an escalating series of what-if scenarios and a regret-inducing avalanche of should-haves. These difficult-to-shut-off, repetitive, negative thinking patterns, or rumination, is one of the hallmarks of depressive and anxiety disorders. But even if this doesn't get to a clinically concerning level, it still makes for a lot of stress and anxiety during the countdown to an important audition or performance, which, for me at least, would contribute to a sense of desperation or franticness in my practice, which would often exacerbate an already crummy-feeling week, and not do a whole lot to make things better on stage either. So is there anything we can do to reduce this repetitive, negative thinking phenomenon in the lead-up to a performance, other than ramping up our last-minute panic practicing? Well, there's been a good bit of research over the years which suggests that there's probably a meaningful relationship between sleep and these negative thought spirals that are often associated with general anxiety, depressive disorders, PTSD, OCD, and social anxiety. Specifically, that impaired sleep, whether it be not enough sleep or poor quality sleep, tends to go hand-in-hand with repetitive negative thinking. But there's another sleep-related question that hasn't been looked at very much and that's the timing of sleep. For instance, I've often heard it said that regardless of how long you sleep, that we should try to get to bed before midnight. Even though, for better or for worse, that is when all the best infomercials tend to be on. But is there any truth to that? And is there any chance that our bedtime could have an impact on repetitive negative thinking as well? Researchers at Binghamton University recruited 100 students to complete a whole range of sleep and rumination-related assessments. There were questionnaires related to worry, depressive rumination, obsessive-compulsive thinking, 
and the repetitiveness and intrusiveness of one's negative thinking, as well as others related to mood, quality of sleep, and sleep-wake times, and the degree to which one was a morning person or a night owl. So were there any meaningful relationships between sleep and any aspects of repetitive negative thinking? Turns out that yes, there were a few interesting links. Those students who got less sleep in the last month tended to report experiencing more ruminative thinking than those who got more sleep, and those with a later bedtime reported more obsessive and compulsive thinking than those who had an earlier bedtime. Participants who reported getting less sleep also reported repetitive and intrusive negative thoughts, and more difficulty disengaging with what they recognized as being unproductive thoughts than those who got more sleep. And maybe most interestingly, later bedtimes was also independently associated with this kind of disruptive, distressing, difficult-to-stop, repetitive, negative thinking, where those who had earlier bedtimes reported experiencing less of this type of thinking. Before you start buying blackout curtains and cutting out infomercials from your life entirely, it's important to note that this study didn't have any before and after element, so it's difficult to know for sure if there's truly a causal link between later bedtimes and increased repetitive negative thinking. As in, we can't really know for sure from just the data provided here whether sleeping later is what causes more repetitive negative thinking the next day, or whether it's repetitive negative thinking that leads to later bedtimes, or some combination of the two. To know for sure which way this relationship goes, some participants would have had to change their sleeping habits, and then we'd be able to answer this question a little more clearly based on what sort of change there might be in their thinking patterns after making the sleep change. Even so, there is a good bit of previous research which does suggest that getting enough sleep is an important part of providing us the resources we need to be able to better control our ruminating and negative obsessive thinking. And also, there are some indications that when our sleep-wake cycles and the natural light-dark cycles of day and night are not in sync, our executive functioning and prefrontal cortex, which is involved in attention control, working memory, and inhibition, do seem to be negatively affected, which can make it difficult for us to turn off the repetitive negative thoughts popping into our head. And at the end of the day, sleep experts do say that going to bed before midnight helps to ensure that we get more optimal sleep, even if the number of hours we sleep is exactly the same. So this doesn't mean that you have to force yourself to zonk out at 9 p.m. every night, but there's probably nothing truly urgent on TV past midnight that's worth sacrificing sleep for anyway. And if you're saying to yourself, who watches TV anymore? I don't even have cable. Everything I watch is online. Well, then there's totally no excuse to delay bedtime and get sucked into the YouTube rabbit hole. Because is it really so important that we learn all about the logistics of grocery stores? Hear Tig Notaro tell the longest non-story about Taylor Dane ever? Or watch a total kitchen amateur try to make crab cakes in 15 minutes guided only by the voice of Gordon Ramsay? In theory, I think the correct answer is no, but full confession, those are all real videos that are in my YouTube history from the last week. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. 